Welcome to Matt and Brett Love Comics. I am one of your hosts, Brett White, and this is my co-host... Hey, it's Matt Little. Yes, equal partnership. Uh, and this is our guest uh, from the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show, Jeff Rubin. Hello. Yeah, so today we're going to start off our new book club format uh, that I introduced you guys to last week. <clears throat> uh, we've, we're starting to read X-Force issue, X-Force Volume 1, issues 19 through, t- through 25, published in 1993. Uh, Assault on Grey Malkin is the retroactive arc title that Marvel has given it when they republished it in a hardcover format, the nerdiest sentence ever uttered. A.K.A. <laughs> how quickly can Fabian Nicieza dump all of Rob Liefeld's <laughs> plot points and move forward? Right that was the-, the nerdiest sentence ever uttered. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. And I bet we can one up it again uh, throughout the show. Oh, oh certainly. Uh, so we're gonna. I'll start off with just like what this is. Um, plot wise, this is X Force number nineteen. Uh, as Matt just hinted at, Rob Liefeld left the book. His last penciled interiors, I believe, was number nine. He did covers through eleven. Yeah. And then Terry Shoemaker did a couple issues. Then Greg Capullo came on with number fifteen. Three issues of Executioner's Song, and now this is where we are. Hold. Oh, That's all of the time. I had no idea how out of my league I was coming into this. <laughs> I, I was like, I read them all. I'm pretty prepared. I'm just going to go play pickup basketball and then as, Michael Jordan's at the court. <laughs> as evidenced by the X-Force toys action, fig- or action figures trading cards, and I have a wall of just X-Force commissions in my hallway. Uh, this is uh-huh. sad. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is Specifically disgusting. X-Force. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how did you choose this arc? Uh, this well, this was because I started reading comics in 1993, and I got a whole bunch of those big like value packs mm-hmm, of like, yeah. like ten or sure, so yeah, issues. Yeah. The and, uh, the uh, go to the <clears throat> be quiet and go to the store with me, and I'll buy right, you some right, comic right. books packs. Yeah, and for some reason at that time, I number 24, which is the second to last issue in this arc, was the first one that I bought new off the stands. But for some reasons, like issues. 20 through 23 were all available in these like big bundle packs so i guess the turnover was pretty quick yeah i uh, would like when they would re-release all these things so i got really into this specific era when i was 93 when i was nine so so this is the first uh, this is some of the first comic books you read is that why you chose it first for your book club format yes yeah and brett's have- brett's favorite if you couldn't tell yet by the figures and the books and the commissions <laughs> this is brett's favorite book i didn't know well I just got here. I didn't know if the figures were like to celebrate that. Like, if we had read like a Hulk comic, there'd be a whole yeah. set of Hulk figures. Yeah. It's like yeah. a Rick Jones. And yeah. A, yeah. I, I wish that I had a library as comprehensive as that. I just have all these X Force. I have a lot of X Men figures. You have no idea that you've just given Brett a complex that now he's going to feel like <laughs> yeah. he has to own I gotta, a complete set of like every. When you tell me what next week's topic is, I'm going to Toys R Us and immediately <laughs> yeah. Amazon, eBay. Uh,. So as as he's as Little said, as Matt Little said, uh, Rob Liefeld left, and Nizieza was at that point just scripting the book. Liefeld, Rob Liefeld, infamous Rob Liefeld, was plotting and penciling the whole thing, and it was an insane book. It's you, you know, looking back, looking back now that I'm older, and I realize that when he was penciling and plotting that book, he was 22 years old. Yeah. Uh, it makes a lot of sense that it was crazy and didn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, that's, I had no idea. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, because there's, there's, uh, you read like the first, you know, 13 or 14 issues where he really had a heavy hand in the plots. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's some wild ideas in there, but there's no 
none of the characters are consistent. There's oh, no yeah. real like emotional core to any of these characters. The it's just thing... like how hard can we punch? Yeah, and the best thing is that Fabian Ezier is the writer who's just scripting it. Like he, I feel like he knows it. I've reread those first twelve issues a million times, obviously. And Ezier knows it, and he. Well, I have the characters say dialogue like, of course we're just going to beat the crap out of each other. And like, yeah, we're like, <laughs> all we do is talk a lot and punch things. And it's great. He, he knows what it is and he writes the script accordingly. And it's great. Uh, but this was, this arc right here pretty much represents the first time that Nisiaza really got hold of these characters and had them do real things. Because the previous three issues were a crossover. Yeah. Uh, so this is the start of when I really love X-Force. And I love X-Force X-Force with Tony Daniel when he replaces Capullo. I even love Jeff Loeb and Adam Polina's run. Oh, yeah. And John Francis Moore and Adam Polina's run is amazing. Um, well, let me ask you this, Jeff. Uh, yeah. Coming coming into this, uh, like we had mentioned, <laughs> this was the first issue after a massive crossover. So they were still cleaning up some plot points and stuff like that. Um how accessible did you did you feel like this was? Like, did you feel right, like you jumped give, in? Let me and... give, let me tell you my X Force familiarity <laughs> level first of all. Sure. So I never I read comics in about this era. Um, let's call it the hologram era. Yeah, yeah. true. I, That's fair. Issue twenty five has a hologram on the cover. So I read comics, and this is when I was really reading comics. But and I, I I'm gonna I feel like such a I feel so lame saying this. I was kind of a DC dude. I was more of a... Yeah? I read more... I think I read more DC. Obviously, I read some Marvel. I read X-Men. I read Uncanny X-Men. But X, I can't keep up with every... Oh, yeah. Every X-Men spinoff. Oh, yeah. And this was the explosion of them. Yeah. Like X-Force, X-Men, yeah. Excalibur, and like, X-Men. When they were, I remember when there was Age of the Apocalypse, which is obviously very well remembered. And, uh, I, you know, I could keep up with that. Like, when there was, like, a thing, I, I'd dabble. I knew these characters... But I, I re- I'm not sure I'd ever read an X-Force book. Also, when I was a kid about this time, I got really into collecting X-Men cards. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, I think I loved uh, just, like, learning the characters and, like, seeing, you know, knowing all the characters. Which, a, a passion that continues into this day with Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I probably oh, spend, I don't read comics every single week. I don't go to the store on Wednesday. But I know, but I know new comics come out on Wednesday. I'm like, I, I'm <laughs> I like, like, I like how you, said, you said Wednesday. I, 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 I wanted to think about sure. it. We didn't pounce on you, so but, you're but right. I know there's like Wednesday's new comic. I, I have read comics. So what was I talking about? I forgot what I was. Well, we what were was... talking about the accessibility and where you were in terms of your knowledge of X Force. Yeah. So, uh, so I spend more time today, I think, reading Wikipedia articles about comic books <laughs> than actual comic books because I love just like knowing what's going on with these. So I, I knew all the characters. And I found it fairly accessible. Like, there was obviously something that had just gone down and something it was leading up to. But that is the case with every comic. You yeah. know, like, especially, like, now that I don't read comics all the time, when I do read them, it tends to be in, like, a graphic novel form where it's, like, one complete thing. Yeah. I haven't read, like, single issues, which is basically what this is, in a while. And, like, it's obviously in this the whole... It's like you're perpetually in the middle of a complete catastrophe and, like... Yeah. Yeah. That's the, what Perpetual I realize, catastrophe is, is a really great <laughs> way to describe comic books. <laughs> reading this back-to-back, it starts off with number 19, which is literally my 16th favorite comic of all time. <laughs> oh, he has them ranked. I have them he ranked. has them ranked. I have, I have them ranked. Wow. Uh, and it That's starts off... That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I've read, like, 5,000 comics. Um... Uh, and it starts off, and then they immediately go from thing to thing to thing. Like, I feel like this entire seven issues takes place in, like, a day or two. 
Because you know, everybody, you know, it's, it's it's like too much is happening. Like someone teleports them into space, and no one's like, "What do you mean we're being teleported into space?" It's just <laughs> yeah. like next battle. It's like, all right, yeah, we're in space. Like yeah. no one even addresses the fact that they're being teleported into space. Cannonball, yeah. Cannonball literally says in twenty five when they get teleported, he's like, "Again, you're gonna have to try harder, man. We were just here." <laughs> it's, it's true, and I like um. Uh, as soon as like can like a uh, boomer siren and warpath get kidnapped by the externals, and as soon as X Force rescues them after they've been like waterlogged for days hanging off a cliff, yeah, uh, they get back. They still have towels around their neck, and then they get a, like a message like, "Oh, Rusty and Skiz have just been captured by the Freedoms of Humanity," and they're like, "Okay, go get your costumes on." They're like, "What? Seriously? Yeah, I just got rescued. It's yeah. great." And and I wonder too if 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 stuff like that. I felt like there was, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. Looking back, but I felt like there were a lot of points where it was like the writers and editorial staff just making asides about like the pace of the plot yeah. and and sort of plot points and stuff like that. Like in nineteen, so let's start at the beginning of the of, of the uh, of the story arc here in issue nineteen, which begins with X Force in. The mansion. I'll tell you what it begins with. It begins with Boomer like trying on new clothes and admiring her own butt. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, I love that. Was it? She's like uh, I'm trying to pat myself on the back, and Lila Chain is like, "You're missing your back by about a foot." Boomer, yeah. Boomer comments how she has a nice butt, and it's like on Studio 60 when they'd have to like comment that the sketches were funny, and she would be like, "She's like, check out my butt. It's nice." I was like looking at the drawing. I was like, "Yeah, I guess. I mean, eh. <laughs> yeah." I, but like the the book is like telling me it's actually a nicer butt. That the the art is able to portray. Really. Yeah, yeah. That's the the uh, the writer's note in the script was it's a it's a nice butt, a really but, but then he was nice like, butt. But then he was like, he's not going to be able to convey it. I better have Boomer bring it up herself and <laughs> yeah. talk about how nice it is. Yeah, yeah. And then have someone else compliment her. Her costume episode. is in, and I also remember she had a very sexy trading card too. Yeah, her costume is crazy. It's one of the most like dated ones with the leg written down the side. Yeah, boom. Oh, certainly. And it's it's like neon pink and like bright yellow with an orange giant shoulder pads. I also think she was probably modeled after Madonna, from what I can gather, because they no mention one... it a million times. Right. Oh like, yeah, it's like no one else attractive ever ever looked remotely like that. Yeah, yeah certainly not. And. What's uh, what's interesting too about this design is there's a lot of there's a lot of like what are supposed to be explosions. Yeah, I yeah. think here and they just turn out looking like leaves. Like she looks <laughs> like she looks like a, a like a like a palm tree on the front, <laughs> right? The I, way that I also like, and I'm sorry, I'm so like hung up on the costume. You've read five thousand issues of X Force. It's probably like old news to you that Boomer has a ridiculous costume. No, no, no. But I've the, always loved this the costume. Built to collar. Yeah, what? She has something between her collar, a belt between like her waist and her collar. Not just a belt, a belt of pouches. Yeah, a vertical pouch. And it like kind of like bisects her boobs, which in turn look like giant explosions. Have you ever seen a woman A, bisect her breasts like that in real life, and B, (laughs) if you have, look comfortable doing it? And, uh, like, compliment her butt while wearing that uncomfortable. She has almost nothing to do in this entire story. Yeah, that's that's a thing that kind of annoyed me going back and looking at it. Because, like, Boomer, Siren, and Warpath are three of my favorite characters. Uh, Not even guilty favorite characters. Like, legit, I love these characters. Yeah. And they spend most of the time just, like, imprisoned. Yeah. Uh, Well, there's so many people. I mean, there's, there's like, 18 people. And this is the thing I really didn't like. I thought the stuff with X-Force was good, but every issue, especially for the first two or three of this arc, they, like, went somewhere else, and I was like, well, what's Domino up to? And there's, like, always, like, all this, all these other people that weren't 
yeah. learned in X-Force. And, uh, you know, there's there's only so much room in a comic book, so only so many yeah. panels for, like, ten characters. When you're mixing in other people, yeah. you that start was... to lose track of some of them. And that's what I, I noticed that again, too, because, like, 25 has no domino in it. And I was like, wait, where did we leave off with the domino subplot? I was like, oh, no, they she had just gone to meet Copycat, and that was it. Yeah, uh, I didn't, that plot that's... I had trouble following. I had no idea. The X-War stuff I kind of caught up with. Yeah, what was the deal with that with the twins? I honestly forgot about it. Uh, so what happened there was... Wait a part minute, of... I actually don't care. Okay. <laughs> Should we do want enough. to explain it for the listeners? Fair enough. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll explain it for the listeners. So previous to this, Domino was a member of X-Force. Check. And it turned out one of the last things when Rob Liefeld was uh, drawing and plotting the book was that it turned out that she was an, she was an imposter. Copycat. Vanessa Carlyle. Yeah. It turns out that a, that a new character named Copycat was posing as the brand new character Domino. Yeah. Which, and so, this is, these are sort of the frustrating <laughs> things that happen in, like, the first Domino year of the book. Domino has three first appearances. New Mutants 98, where she first appears, but it turns out to be Copycat. X-Force number 11, where the first Domino, where the real Domino this is, is revealed. Ins- this is insane. Yeah. And, but... Apparently, because of, like, continuity, there was a flashback in issue 8 to the past, and Domino is in that, so that's actually her first appearance. Yeah. Because it was a flash. It's, like, crazy. It's so 90s of a comic book to have a character that has three first appearances. Yeah. Don't you have something of an obsession with Shatterstar? I do. I love love this character because it is... What's your take on it? I don't don't love Shatterstar. What's your Uh, take on it? Of course I love Shatterstar. Well, you love... I I love him all, man. Of course you love him. I love the... I love that this character is just the embodiment of the excess of the, storytelling that's exactly yeah. comics in the 90s. He looks, he looks like... There's, like, nothing else... And I actually went to his Wikipedia page. I was like, what is the deal with this guy? And I was... It's, it's, I, I was just like, you know what? Never mind. I, it was just like a <laughs> block of text. He really is just like a hollow shell of 90s comic book cliches. Yeah. I imagine yeah. when he was being designed, like, every like with every detail that was drawn on him... Uh, because uh, Liefeld created him, I have to imagine that like he drew the ponytail and went yeah, and then drew <laughs> and a it, star on his face and yeah. was like, all right. Well, he's, he's like, from... can I add two more front braids? Yes. What's his mutant power? Uh, he prefers not to use his mutant power, which that he can channel uh, like what sound into light through his swords. Yeah. Currently, he can also teleport, but I feel like that's because in the comic book he's currently in, they just need a, a teleporter. Yeah, you need yeah. someone who teleports to get the moon base. Okay, yeah. so back to X-Men 19. Let's focus. I'm, yeah. I keep derailing uh, X-Force 19 is basically, after X-Force. after uh, Executioner's Song, X-Force were basically terrorists. For the first year of Rob Liefeld, like, their actions were too extreme. The government hated them. They were breaking laws, but not in the way that it's acceptable for, like, the X-Men or the Avengers to break laws, which is actually what Cannibal points out in this issue. Uh, and it's pretty much X-Force waiting around the mansion trying to decide, while everyone else to- tries to decide their fate for them. Uh, mm-hmm. And X-Force deciding, well, we're just going to decide our fate for ourselves and just goodbye professor x we don't need you anymore which is why i love this issue so much yeah and i remember i remember even when i was i would have been 12 or 13 so i was just getting into all of my puberty hormones uh i remember this being like the first issue where i really felt like uh oh wow yeah these feel like these are supposed to be teenage characters and this legitimately feels like the way teenage characters would behave if they were being you know, uh, sequestered in a house and having their parents, quote unquote, uh, try to decide their uh, their future for them. Yeah, uh, I, I I love that. Like I love and I love Cannonball. 
I mean, Cannibal's from Kentucky. I'm from Tennessee. I've always felt like a weird, like, yeah, he's just like me-ness with Cannibal. And I really like that this is, like, the first time that he steps up into his own as, like, a leader and almost slaps Professor X across the face to prove a point, which yeah, yeah. I always thought was cool. <laughs> yeah, Cannibal gets a lot of shine in this story. He's obviously the hero of the piece, and uh, with good reason. He's a pretty cool dude, pretty radical. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I think Cannibal's probably one of the probably the longest lasting it will be the longest one of the longest lasting x-men things from this era like i think from this era cannibal is one of the characters that will be with us the longest yeah Uh, like he's interesting you know uh boomer and warpath may come and go but they're great they are great characters (laughs) but i think cannibal is like gonna be a major part i can see cannibal and like if they did another x-men movie i can see them doing cannibal yeah well that's and and what what i think that boils down to too is that uh cannonball has more of a uh sort of understandable character point of view yeah where he's just like a a guy trying to do right by his friends yeah. and just do the right thing. Whereas, like, Boomer is this character that is going to always be a cipher of whatever pop culture generation she's being yeah. written in. Yeah, yeah. I, I love can like, My favorite moment in the entire thing is in issue 24 when uh, they've... Boomer, Warpath, and Siren have been captured by the externals. Because of some silly promise that Cannibal made to Gideon to not ever get involved in external affairs, weird, uh, <laughs> he sends the rest of X-Force to go get them, and they take Cruel with them, etc. But when they finally get back to Camp Verde, where X-Force is headquarters, Cannibal's like, yeah, we'll, we'll deal with Cruel, who is a crazy purple... Uh, a purple mutant with like fangs who uses and an awesome alien, braid, an awesome also braid an that awesome uses the whip alien skulls around on. Uh, and then when they get back, Camel's again. We'll have to deal with Cruel later because I mean he's a homicidal maniac and he's still in our jet. And then Richter and Shatterstar and Sunspot are like, oh no, we just uh, we kind of we realize this fiberglass cast floats, so we dumped him in the ocean. And yeah. I just love like Cannibal's reaction to that like you did what? Like, yeah, I'm in charge of the loony bin here. Like I love that. Like he is trying to assert power, but he's in charge of some very naive, lovable idiots. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, well, well, coming from a, a comedy and improv background, too, what I sort of liked about this was uh, there was a lot of acting first and then deciding whether deciding what to do with that action <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Uh, you know what there's a lot, Cannibal does a whole lot of over the course of this uh, series, is yell out formations. Yes. Yeah. Lots of shots of Cannonball being like, Richter, Feral, up in the front. Yep. Shatterstar, Shatty. You Shatty. Take, calls him yeah. Shatty. You Rick, take point. A lot Shatty, of like, well, like everyone's like flying into yeah. the panel. By the way, Shatty, uh, great nickname for a mutant or the way a British person talks about how they just took a shit. <laughs> uh... I I really also love um well the first the first big arc is issues twenty through twenty two, which is the destruction of Grey Malkin and the fight over who gets all of Cable's stuff, because Cable just died, or they all think he's dead, and Grey Malkin appears over Earth like the cloaking is gone. I had a question about this actually. Sure. At the time did anyone really because now obviously Cable's still around, he's still a major ah, character. At yeah. the time and I think Cannibal might outlast Cable. Cable is a hard character to get a beat on. Yeah. Yeah. I read he's done the, a couple You times. heard me talking about how many comic book Wikipedia pages I've read. I have no idea what the hell the deal with Gable is. He's an extremely confusing character with an yes. extraordinary... They'll never yeah. put him in a movie. His background makes no sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So at the time, 
did people think Cable might actually be dead? I, I knew he was obviously coming back, but at I the time... I don't think so, because didn't his two-issue miniseries come out in the interim between 19 and 25? N- it came out... Made? So the the continuity, the actual real life, the IRL was... <laughs> uh, the Cable miniseries was supposed to come out in the spring of 93, and it got yeah. delayed until the summer. It came out in, I think, August and September, and then September started the Executioner's song. Uh, Fatal Attractions? Uh, No, no, Executioner's song. Oh, yeah. And then Executioner's song ran through December, and then that was when Cable died, but no one really thought he was gone because in the same issues, they were already promoting his new solo series. Oh, yeah. That came out in March. So he was really only out of... He was really I mean, even only... within this, he's like, he's dead in like four-ish, like literally four yeah. issues later. Yeah. Which I guess is a four months, it's a quarter of the year if you're reading yeah. comic books, but... Uh, that makes me yeah. really... They, they, they treat Cable's death with a lot of gravity, even though it's very <laughs> obvious. And honestly, it's not even that big a deal when mm-hmm. he comes back. Like, no one, like, I'm not even sure anyone asked what happened, to be honest. I think he's just like... Time stream. Yeah. yeah that's all he, says. <laughs> he says literally everything else on those two huge info dumps. Oh, yes. my which God. Are on, yeah, that definitely which are on is. pages 182 and 188 of my hardcover. They are, like, 182, Richter and Sunspot. Like, Cable's just come it, back. Yeah. All of X-Force is like, hey, what are you doing here? Richter and Sunspot, who've joined in the interim of Cable le- dying, they both think that he killed their parents individually, and Cable's like... No, guys, I didn't kill your parents. Richter, Strife killed your parents. I don't know why. Sunspot, that was actually Gideon. Don't know why. It's like, yeah. yeah, again, it felt and like... Then, this this page... crazy one, when when Cannibal basically says, like, give me a reason to believe you or something, and yeah. then he just fucking tells everything. This page reads like a Wikipedia article. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you want answers? Can I, can I read, can I read Go it for it. Go for it. My Dramatic original, reading. My original name is Nathan Dayspring, delivered to the future by a woman named Ascani and raised to be the savior for the rebellion against the Canaanite rule of the external High Lord, whom you've come to know in this timeline as Apocalypse. We lost the war in my future, Sam, so I return to this timeline, which happens to be the focal point, which just happens to be the focal point for just all of so us <laughs> which may happen to ensure that madmen like Apocalypse would never have the opportunity again to create the kind of hell that my world has become. That's about half of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I remember, well, I thought it was fun. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I like <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Wikipedia pages too, but I was it's just like, great. oh my God, it's, it's not the smoothest writing. No. no. But also when I was like eight years old, I was like, this is amazing. They're giving us answers. And, and I think it's too, kind of like comic books, the original loss, the original yeah. give me answers. Yes. And then, and then with an answer, you get another question because he says, uh, I have my, he says, I never knew until recently, this is like, I'm skipping a few paragraphs, but only a few. I never knew until recently that the Chaos Bringer, a worldwide fomenter of anarchy from my time known as Strife, the, Strife is the character from my time yeah. known as Strife, had come back here as well and was apparently my exact duplicate. I have my suspicions as to why that is, but until I know for sure, I think I'll keep that to myself. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's just like lost. You get an answer, but then it's like, yeah. But why? But why did he do it? That is that to me. That to me sounds like the editor getting that script and going, "Hey, love what you did on this page. We have no idea who Strife is yet." 
Yeah. Uh, so why don't you just change a couple of those paragraphs? Well, the page <laughs> is kind of striking. You got this like profile of Cable and his, you know, his laser eye yeah. thing is exploding. Well, I think it, I think Greg like Capullo did a really great job of like visualizing what is essentially what you said. Yeah, uh, a Wikipedia page. Yeah, yeah. or an and, Encyclopedia Britannica page, as it were. As it, at, at the, the time, time yeah. yeah. And I want to take a moment to talk about how much I love Greg Capullo's artwork. Uh, it is incredibly 90s. It is so ridiculously 90s. But when you're coming from Rob Liefeld, uh, like, Capullo's art, he's a, he is great at emotion. He's great at... I think his costume designs are incredibly fun. And I feel like they, while being ridiculous and overstuffed with shoulder pads and pouches, they really form a cohesive whole. Like, it looks like, oh, this is a team. But they all like that individual yeah. flair. Uh, there is one... Oh, man, where is that page? I really liked... Uh, I liked the cannonball redesign. Yeah, the, on, the blue and on the page uh, 50 yeah. of that, uh, the panel when Cannonball is slap about to slap Professor X, if you look over... Uh, if you look on everyone's face in that, like, it's a tiny panel. And everyone's face in this panel, like, you can tell, like, Feral is totally into, into Cannonball slapping Professor X. So is Warpath. Siren has, like, her hands over her mouth. It's incredibly detailed. And I feel like he paid attention to, like, details. He always drew feet. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what else I noticed in this, too, and especially in that first issue. And that is that... Um, G.W. Bridge, which you may not know this. The G.W. stands for George Washington. I Actually, he was a character I was not familiar with. His name's George Washington Bridge. I mean, the G.W. Bridge is like a pretty popular bridge around New York, too. uh, Uh, G.W. Bridge is like a phrase I've heard a million, billion times over my life. Probably conceived Oh yeah. maybe? Oh, Oh, probably. I mean, I I think it's a pun-ish type thing. Yeah, probably. (laughs) What I I liked about... What I liked about this character... I'm not even sure if it's a pun. It's just like, it's a reference to that famous bridge you made. Yeah, it's a direct reference, yeah. (laughs) I am Mountie Rushmore. Uh, yeah, Pum would yeah. imply that they put, like, a twist on it. It's just, yeah, no, that is it, literally just... Yeah. I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, I was just going <laughs> to say, uh, I loved it as I was reading it. I didn't realize. Um, but in that first issue in 19, he comes in and he bitches about how he's getting shut down uh, yeah. and doesn't understand. But he's an idiot because they directly... Like, yeah, Henry Peter Gyrick is <laughs> this... Uh, he's the red-haired guy with the with the glasses that's in that scene. Oh, uh, that's another subplot. It's that that yeah. that's like the domino thing of that issue. Right? Yeah. yeah. Why? Are, who are these people? Where's <laughs> X Force? And he's just one of those guys that always shows up in the X Men books in the '90s because he's from the government and he hates mutants. Yeah. He's a good ball buster. Yeah. yeah. yeah but he shows up. He shows up and tells Bridge, "Listen, you you caused three point three. You lost three point three billion dollars <laughs> worth of equipment." And Bridge is like, "What do you mean?" I can't do whatever I want. Now. Like, you're a dick. Yeah. You're bad at your job, and you're a dick. Oh, you know who else shows up? Speaking of just people distracting the X Force, is Iron Man or War Machine? War Machine, but being called Iron Man because I think this he... was this was at the time yeah. when Tony Stark was dead, but yeah. uh, Rhodey was Iron Man. Yeah, uh-huh. so he was Iron Man in the War Machine armor. So. Now the, I'm glad we cleared that up because he he wasn't doing anything in X Force 19 through 25 or anything. But no, yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he shows up. I don't even know if he's on the. Co- he must be on one of the covers. Uh, yeah, 21. I guess that's yeah. why you bring him in. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, there he is. Tragic. He's just about to about to punch Cannonball, which would hurt because it's a metal iron fist. Yeah. Does iron go through Cannonball's? Kinetic shields. 
Well, no, because they're, he's not invulnerable while he's blasting. Not invulnerable while blasting. I see. Who's uh, Cannibal's sister? Husk? Husk. Husk. Yeah, that was yeah, some really call. deep. That's some deep X. Well, that's when I was like reading. I read Generation X. Like, oh, this yeah. is just like, you know, the year I would have loved I would have loved so much more if you would have said, Yeah, I saw the Generation X TV movie. I have <laughs> seen I've seen parts of it. Um we I've definitely seen part I haven't like watched all of it, but like Big I've, Matt Fruer I've, fan. I've dabbled <laughs> So yeah. what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, well, I think we've talked a lot about the uh, after 19 through 22, which is the big, like, Grey Malkin thing. And I, I think the one thing I love about it is, like, Cable is essentially Cannibal's father. Cannibal's father died. He left them all this stuff. Yeah. And now they have to go reclaim it. In the Through the prism of X-Force, that means go up to a spaceship with a whole bunch of guns and fight a whole bunch of people. Yeah. But I still feel like the emotional... I mean, it's, it's like sketch mapping. It's like you're doing a, a sketch about fighting over a will, except you're literally fighting over a will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I told you, I, I told you earlier today what I would have done uh, coming <laughs> out of this, which is that um, so Cable first comes to the present day because apparently. Cannonball is an immortal that he has to protect. And that is a whole other... God, that storyline. And there was There's another Rob Liefeld plot that they just sort of swept away. Yeah. He's still immortal, though, right, Cannonball? No. They, well, they don't... They... This is a pet peeve of mine. Because they, like... In, yeah, in X-Force 54... I can't wait to hear how Cannonball's <laughs> immortality is a pet peeve of yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really gets should, under my skin. Oh, <laughs> it's just makes him not relatable, guys. Uh, Three things. When the delivery guy screws up my order. <laughs> when there's no toilet paper and I'm already going to the bathroom. And Cannonball's immortality. Cannibal's immortality. Uh, X-Force 54, Selene attacks them. And they're like, wait a second, but isn't Cannonball an immortal? And he's like, huh, is that what Cable told you? And then that's how it ends. And then mm-hmm. they don't mention it for, like, eight years. And I'm like, okay, good. They swept it under the rug. We're fine. We don't have to deal with it again. And then in the random issue of New X-Men Academy X, uh, one of the, like... New X-Men Academy X is the actual name of this comic book? Yeah, yeah. Yep, it is. Because yeah. <laughs> there wasn't enough X's in the title. Yeah. Um, X-Men, New X-Men Academy X. Hyphens uh, and colons. Yeah. And... They, like, someone, like, his little brother is like, yeah, my older brother's an immortal. And I was like, no, why did you bring that up? Mm. Just, like, brought it back out of the closet. Just shove it back in there. Don't yeah. mention it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. He came back, and now he it's it's something that Cable doesn't even care about. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't even ever see Cannonball like yeah. in the books. Yeah, uh, they they have like no interaction with each other anymore. But this was the reason that he came back. And if I were to seal up that plot point, right. what I would do is a new segment. Yes, if I were to seal up that plot point, okay. So here's what I'd do. They drop the time displacement core that Cable uses to teleport uh, back and forth in time. Yeah, they dump it in the ocean. In the ocean, right? Yeah. So that is the last, as far as I know, that anyone ever sees it in continuity. Yeah. Uh, obviously, my fan fiction, which is out of continuity, <laughs> not yes. continuity. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it appears there, but in continuity, that yes, is. Uh, it's actually <laughs> it's actually a gay club called Gay Malkin. <laughs> it's on the bottom of the sea. We don't want- gay Malkin. Gay Malkin. Gay Malkin. Gay Malkin. It's Shaddies. Yeah. Shaddies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shaddies is a bar that's yeah, uh, but but it's it's down in the bottom of the ocean. Were I to sew this plot point up, what I would do. <laughs> is have the next time you see that be when Cable is actually building Grey Malkin in the future, have him find that time displacement core in the bottom of the ocean and bring it back up. 
And as he is installing it in the ship, the core begins playing a tr- the transmission, the last transmission that it had, which was Sunspot and Cannonball talking about dumping it in the ocean. See? So Cable finds out who these people are because, or thinks that they're important because he hears them talking about dumping this. So he goes back in the future. He learns more about them I got you. So and then like goes back in the future. Time loop. Yeah. yeah, I see. Yeah, just close the time loop. Make it a self uh, self perpetuating. Uh, uh, plot point. MacGuffin. I'm trying to think of like a good pop culture one of those. I... There's got to be one in Lost yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Lost is all about that. Well, uh, I don't know. I guess I, the famous one is Oedipus, right? That's like what it's based on. Or, you know, that's oh, like yeah. a classic example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That doesn't have... Or in Futurama... Okay. Uh, whenever, uh, whenever Roswell that ends well. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Ah, yeah. perfect example. I've seen that that episode. Oh, it's oh so good. I've seen like a dozen. Um, and yep. and speaking of uh, closing my own plot point, that's exactly that's exactly what happens to Bender. Yeah. At the yeah. very end of the episode, he's buried, and they go out in the desert and dig him back up in the yeah, future. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the Green Malkin, the, oh, the whole ship and professor thing. There's, that was an example of, like, another one of those, like... Because when I was reading this again, I was reading it from the point of view of... What would a first-time reader think of this? And I was like, oh, man, the ship and Professor stuff? Like, that's a weird X-Factor plot line. Oh, yeah, from, yeah. It's like, there's so... The continuity of this is so dense, so referential. Yeah, well, I was surprised at the end when the Professor, when Cable... Can I spoil the ending of this? No, go uh, ahead, yeah, so, yeah. Spoiler uh, alert, everybody. <laughs> oh, man, we did get a spoiler alert. For X-Force 25, when Cable... When Cable goes back to save the professor, I was like, I was kind of, that, I wasn't totally expecting that he had this uh, attachment to this AI or, like, that was a, it was fine when there was just a thing they were interfacing with called the professor, but I didn't realize it was, like, a character that worth worth saving and worrying about. Yeah. Yeah. He's been around for, like, the weird thing is, like, Ship, which was his original name, Mm -hmm. uh, God, so much weird stuff, was the AI intelligence on the celestial spaceship that Apocalypse lived in, and then X-Factor took it over. And so, like, Richter and Boom Boom, Boomer, like, all lived in ship for a long time. Yeah. Uh, he's been a character forever. And it's, just, it's, it's weird, because he's just an AI. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, after they get back from Grey Malkin, uh, I, I pointed out the crazy... They start setting up all of the new equipment into Camp Verde. Yeah. And they have that giant monitor screen. Could like, you the, imagine if like, you were driving in the desert? Yeah. Like, you're just driving through the desert, minding your own business, just miles and miles of caves and cactus and desert, and then you just see in the distance a 30-foot-tall alien plasma screen. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you just keep driving. Yeah, but kudos to Nisiaza, because they use it a couple yeah. more times, and they also end up using all those crazy ships. Like, I didn't even remember that they used those ships. I guess reading those issues back-to-back made me see, like, how... I think smoothly they all kind of flow. Like when they first got all the ships, I was like, why'd they go through that trouble? They never use those ships again. And then, Oh wait, no, they use those ships at least two more times. Throughout yeah. The thing. I don't know. I fucking love it. Guys is the best. <laughs> uh, I liked moving, moving on. Yeah. After the gray Malkin arc too. uh, what I really liked in issue 24 and especially when it came out, uh, was Richard Bennett did the inking on issue 24 and it makes it look, I was like, which one's Richard Bennett? What power did he have? Oh, he had the power. He had the power of embellishing pencils. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, his, 
ink style is a lot more, it's a lot crisper and just, uh, like, Harry Candelario's inks through, like, the first yeah. five issues or so of this are great. Like, they're really, they're really good and they complement uh, Capullo well because I remember I, I remember reading Quasar right before this as well and that's where Capullo came from. Yeah. And Candelario inked him there too. But then when Richard Bennett came on, it just added an extra depth to his yeah. art that I was really impressed by. And that's the only issue that he actually inks did he is 24. No, oh, no, a ton of people did 25. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the, and it's, it's tough too, because it makes 25 feel like the arts a little flat compared yeah. to 24. See, I love, I think I like Candelario a little bit more. I don't, I, I like how simple, like his line is really simple. Yeah. I feel like he kind of, there's still a lot of cross hatching and a lot of uh, like distress marks because it's 1993. Oh yeah. But I feel like there's still a little bit more space between the lines and it looks a little bit relatively simpler. It reminds me a lot of Paul Smith's X-Men work in a way for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But I love, I mean, I love all of it. So much. Oh, I'm just going to start weeping holding it. <laughs> uh, I think the reason that I really love it, which Friday Night Lights is what uh, made me think of this. Because when I was watching Friday Night Lights, I was like, oh, Saracen is Cannonball. Wait, I haven't seen the fourth and fifth season of No, Friday we're not. not That's what we won't spoil. Yeah, no, right. But I was like, right. Matt, <laughs> the guy that plays Matt Saracen should play Cannonball. Yeah, it's cool. That is yeah. Exactly yeah, yeah. right. And then I was Plus like, Riggins oh. is Gambit. Yeah. 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 And I was like, oh, and then, like, Kyle Chandler, like, uh... Coach Eric is kind of Cable, like, in a way. Like, that relationship that Cable and Cannibal have is so similar. Yeah, the, the way that they start to develop it here. Uh, yeah, um, I, I agree with that. And That's I realize, uh, like, I love Friday Night Lights because they, it's, like, it's just, like, a show about people that, like, like each other and, like, want to help each other, like, really care about each other and, like, go on a limb for each other. And so much of X-Force is these characters having real personalities and interacting in ways that are so uh, uniquely them. Like, the little things, like Boomer and Farrell's like, very tense rivalry, which comes from the first ten issues where Feral guts Cannonball, and yes. Boom Boom gets mad about that because she just gutted Cannonball. Yeah. Um, and then that's kept up through here, where, like, Feral and Boom are just digging each other whenever possible, and I just love that. Yes. Love... I'm now obsessed with the idea of uh, parallels between Friday Night Lights. Yeah, I really need to map the rest of it, because I only got those two. Uh, I, think, I think also we're... I think we're also looking at... Uh, Oh, I'm trying to... Who's Smash? Someone's uh, Smash. Uh, see, I would say he's probably Richter. Yeah, because Richter, Richter's, Richter's a show-off. Yeah, he's a hothead. He's a show-off. Show-off. Uh, and that's evident. When when they're having that meeting in issue 25, when Cable gets back and they like take everyone down, and it's Feral, Shatterstar, Warpath, and Richter up top just like hanging out, and Richter's like complaining, and Warpath's like, what? Did you say something porno for Pyros, man? You know how I zone out. And I was like, yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> like, I, uh, I talk think, like real people. And I think Tyra would be feral, right? To an extent. Yeah, well, who's the queen bitch of... I mean, Tyra's pretty Like, there's tough. no real queen bitch on Friday Night no. Lights, though. Oh, gosh. But she... I, I, I think, I, I, I think that would... I think that's as close... As you can get in terms of uh, sort of mapping those yeah. two, <laughs> uh, and I also what other, I also really like the weird moment in twenty four when Cannibal again like divides everyone up like he always does in calling tactics. Yep, and he puts Siren on his team, and Siren like calls him out like, "Hey, why don't you let me lead a squad ever?" 
he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just always think of Richter and Sunspot to do those things. Yeah. And I just love that because it's like shows Siren is ambitious. She's also capable. She should call him out on that. And also Cannonball should put Sunspot and Richter in charge because he's been teammates with him forever. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it, it feels like it feels like someone who understands the tools that they have yeah. to work with. Uh, I know you said you uh, had a whole bunch of things that you took screenshots of from uh, your you reading, know, Jeff. We've covered. Is there anything else that we haven't covered? Oh, by the way, the uh, the Cheers cameo. Oh, yeah, the Cheers yeah, cameo. what was that about? That was just random. So, does all of X-Force take place in the mind of an autistic kid looking at a snow globe? I think it must, then. <laughs> What a, Great. Uh, the flashback quest for identity ad. I took a lot. A, I noted a lot of ads. Yeah. Uh, these guys. I thought. They, I just love the <laughs> scene when, like, I don't know, they are Weapon Prime, maybe. Yeah. Weapon and then Prime. I just, you know, these like roll call scene where it's like, you need to know everyone. Well, okay. The big guy over there is Yeti. The bodacious twins are double trouble. Oh, let's talk about this panel for a second. <laughs> There's this part where Warpath. Siren and Siren. Boomer are captured, and like I guess they also tear off all their clothes before they chain them up into the water cave. <laughs> well, what what else would you do? Yeah, you, yeah. Just like a, a lot of underboob in that one. I thought this part was funny with uh, the dude. What's his name in the Shatterstar? Cruel, cruel, cruel. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just. There's some fun, just fun moments I liked. Someone yelling, "No way, externals!" Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you, did you know in issue 25 that felt like a, a honeycomb moment, uh, like or when, uh, <laughs> Apple Jacks. Was that, is that who it was? We, what we like? Yeah. <laughs> no way, externals. In issue 25, when Cable and all of them are going to uh, Avalon, Greymawkin to like get uh, everyone back after Exodus has come and taken them up there. Cable makes this big speech about, like, yeah, we're going up there, we're going to kick a lot of ass, and it ends with him saying, because heaven also awaits those who pray. Yeah. P-R-E-Y? Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that's great, but also, like, wow, great, <laughs> man, really badass pun, Cable. <laughs> I like this part a lot, where um, they found, a, there was a Friends of Humanity pamphlet, and it looks a lot like... Perhaps a religious, uh, what do you call those when you get them? Flyers? The, the ja- yeah. Like the tracks? Like yeah, little, tracks. Like yeah. a religious tracks one would hand out. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably when comic books, and insert, uh, particularly X-Men, is at its best when there's, like, some sort of real-world parallel. Yeah. X-Men have always had a lot yeah. of that. And, like, you're like, all right, what are they saying here? I just thought that was an, an interesting piece. And just the track looks very legitimate. Like, it looks like the kind I've really seen. I, yeah. I, so yeah. I really, like, stopped and thought about uh, what X Men means to me? It yeah. <laughs> was a really tender moment because the uh, the Friends of Humanity in issue twenty four kidnap Rusty and Skids, who've been brainwashed by the mutant liberation front. Which, by the way, uh, oh, terrible terrible code names for two characters <laughs> yeah. that are always together. Yeah, Rusty, <laughs> Rusty Skids. Skids. <laughs> I didn't know what their deal was. It was like whatever. I uh, my my physics teacher in high school, his name Rusty Couch. Wow, that's like a always se- think that's like it. a thing. Who yeah. Yeah, yeah, his his name his name is a his name is a thing. Second favorite name like that, uh the the man who played the villain in Superman 4 The Quest for Peace. Uh-huh. Uh his name is Mark Pillow. So his name <laughs> is a command. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Jeremy Bent. Yeah. More name name dropping. Uh how is there is there anything else? Well, Magneto shows up at the end and let's just oh, yeah. Magneto's obviously the fucking awesome best character. Like once Magneto oh, yeah. shows yeah. up you're like, "Oh man, 
they need to raise the stakes. Why did they just put Magneto in the light? Like, whenever Magneto yeah. shows up, yeah. you're like, oh, man, is, things yeah, just got Yeah, that is real. true. I like, too, that, uh, that he just completely dismantles Cable because yeah. so much of Cable's... Yeah, he, like, ex- completely explodes... Like, <laughs> literally explodes Cable. It doesn't yeah. make any sense that it's Cable's soul. And aside, but, aside from... Aside from any time, Strife was, like, the only character that they ever let beat up on Cable. Yeah. Everyone else, like, they put, in, in early X-Force, they put Cable up against the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. They put him up against the Juggernaut. And he, <laughs> he just shot Black Tom Cassidy in the face, point blank, as Black Tom Cassidy was begging for mercy. Isn't yeah. this exactly when, it reminded me of when Milestone X-Men in the 90s moment. They rip the adamantium out of Wolverine. Uh, yeah, that's it, that's this uh, plot yeah. line, right? Yes, yeah. It's but, like, and, it's like that later. month. Yeah. The part where uh, the part where Magneto explodes cable is very similar. Where he like you know yeah. uses all the metal in his body against him and just like rips yeah. him apart. Yeah, Animal Attractions is all about Magneto just pulling metal out of people. That's and this that was... sounds awesome. We should have read that one. Instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your fillings. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that in? Something? That was in first class. Yeah, I was in first class. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, yeah. Dental feeling. I really, I remember when I was a kid because I, I did not know anything about the New Mutants, and so when Exodus comes down, like Magneto has been dead. This is his big, this is his big comeback. They put his big comeback in X Force. It's a pretty cool move, I thought. Yeah. Uh, and he comes back, and he's his whole thing is like I have now created a haven in is space. Is this the first Avalon? Yeah, this is the first I know time Avalon, Avalon is yeah. created. Well, so, that's an interesting <clears throat> concept. Yeah, yeah so, so Avalon like, actually came out of that. I thought that's yeah. really interesting. Where like people were like. You know, some of the good guys were like, no, you know, this seems not so bad. I'm, I'm yeah. going to check this thing out. You yeah, know I, mean? I like that. I like that Magneto specifically wanted... I love it when characters in comic books have memories like real people, because that is actually a big ask to yeah. have, to ask of writers to remember across, like, years and, like, yeah. events and whatnot. Oh, certainly. So, like, to remember, oh, Magneto taught Sunspot and Cannonball. He would want to ask them to come to Avalon. And so he sends Exodus down there, he asks for the two of them, and then Sunspot's like, no, if you want the other new mutants, then have to bring Richter and Boom Boom, who were also new mutants. Yeah. It's pretty... <laughs> yeah, I just, I really like those, like, small little touches. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I like that, and, and, and speaking of Cannonball, too, and those sorts of relationships, I, uh... I was talking earlier about that sort of father figure role that he has with Cable, and oh, yeah. what's, what's weird to me is that they don't discuss that anymore, but... He has that relationship with another character in the books now, yeah. Hope. Yeah. And they've never, I don't, to my knowledge, know that they've ever sat those two characters down and had yeah. them both talk about their dad. I don't know if Hope has ever interacted with any of the X-Force cast. I mean, if you wanted to do like a where are they now bit, like, <clears throat> Boomer is just on Utopia doing literally nothing. Cable is Cable has just come back from the dead again Yeah, in Avengers X-Sanction. Cannonball is uh This is like of, the end of Animal House. Yeah. yeah. Cannonball went out to Westchester to start teaching at Wolverine School. Uh Domino is running security on Utopia. Richter and Shatterstar in a relationship at X Factor. Yeah. Uh as along with Siren, who's also a cast member of X Factor. Oh, you may be interested to know that, Jeff. That mm-hmm. uh that Richter and Shatterstar are now in a relationship together. I saw that on Shatterstar's Wikipedia page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the interesting yep. piece about it. That's uh, uh cool. And there it seemed like there was some controversy, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm cool with it. <laughs> no, like, Rob Liefeld like, was not oh, yeah. cool with it. I saw that on the and page. Was it that oh, tweeted, <laughs> that tweeted back at him. Was it Peter David or someone tweeted back at him? Yeah, a lot of parents aren't happy when their kids come out of the closet. Yeah. And it's like, damn, yes. Yeah, yeah. Burn him. Yeah. Well, Rob Liefeld 
Matt's point seemed to be that he was like an androgynous super soldier, not that he hated gay people, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and also the whole thing of Shatterstar being gay <laughs> in right, in his defense. Well, yeah, the, yeah. Whole, the whole thing comes from a miscommunication because, like, oh man, guys, X Force forty three, Richter and Shatterstar go to a nightclub. Also, and- he's bi. Yes, yeah. he is bi. He yeah. is bi. Cool. They go to a nightclub. They see a bunch of women. <laughs> Good call, Jeff. Shatterstar gets a boner. Rick yeah, tries yeah. to explain to him what a boner is. Yeah. Uh, and then, they, that was Fabian Nizier's last issue, dangling plot thread. Jeff Loeb misinterprets that as, oh, they're a gay couple. And so Jeff Loeb then starts writing them as a gay couple in 44 and writes Richter out of the book and as Shatterstar go through like all these emotional withdrawals. Having Richter it's explain like an erection to Shatterstar was the last dangling plot thread yeah. of Fabian Nicieza's <laughs> yep. run on X-Men. Tied everything up! No, the boner! Wait, wait, just let me stay on one more issue! Give me an eight-page backup in an annual! I can tie up this boner plot line! <laughs> oh, well. Uh, and I, yeah, I think that's, I don't know. This doesn't get a lot of respect. This well because because of the because of the era out of yeah. which it came. It's incredibly nineties. Yeah, it is ridiculously nineties. There's a bunch of Madonna references. Yeah, they see Cheers. Yeah, uh, and Professor X was just coming back from his appearance on Nightline. Yeah, yes. which I guess is still on. I think, I think. but it's not a, a, as nearly as big a thing it's as the yeah. touchstone that it was. Yeah. in 1993, Sam Donaldson was at the helm. Yeah. So, I mean, I I take every chance I get to talk about, like, X-Force Assault on Grey Malkin, like... You're not the... recording this, are you? You just wanted to no, I just, I, talk about I it. I needed someone to talk about it, guys. <laughs> That's why I got it on my toys. This is filled with candy. I'm gonna <laughs> screw it. Uh, it has great character moments for, like, all ten of them. There are ten X-Force members during this time. Yeah, there was a lot to juggle in there, and that's kind of par for the course for the X-Books right around yeah. this time, because of the explosion... That uh, because of how popular and successful they were, they were cramming as many people as they could in every book, and they were pushing all of the plot lines at literally the breakneck pace that we were talking about earlier, yeah. where they had no time to sit down between adventures yeah. because they had to get them in before the next crossover jumped yeah, into the this book. This takes place literally between ex- Executor Song and Fatal Let's... Attractions, like it's all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Jeff, what were your what were your takeaways from this? Uh... Uh, you know, I really thought, uh, even though there were parts where you could feel the seams pulling apart of just like having a, it feels almost soap opery or pro wrestling like, oh, yeah. where like it feels like <laughs> stuff is happening just because stuff always has to be happening. Yeah. But I thought at the end there there was uh, they pulled it together nicely, and uh, there were parts before that really for the first half where I was like, why are we reading this? Because it didn't it, it didn't come together so much as a whole. Yeah, uh, is you know, but I thought by the end that there was a nice arc. So you said, and you said you were a DC guy at this time too. Thinking back, well, you on- know what? The, I got into comics because, like, when Superman died and the Batman back oh, yeah. oh yeah, what got me into it. And then, like, you know, I read the Death of Superman plotline that got me into Green Lantern. Yeah, so that's that was that's was sort of my thing. So, what so yeah. Well, compared to compared to the stuff that how does how does the how do these stories compare to? Uh, the stuff that you read at that time from DC. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I get you know, Marvel and DC just have it. I've read Marvel comics and they like have a different style. Uh, it's hard to say because I haven't read those in uh, fifteen years or something. Oh, like certainly. That. Wait, you don't what? What? <laughs> you don't take oh, them yeah. out? Jeez. <laughs> I do have them. They are at my parents' house, as my mom will tell you. But, <laughs> but uh, they. Uh, I, so I, it'd be hard for me to compare them directly. I thought, you know, I thought this was a pretty good for, like, a month-to-month comic. It's almost like comparing, uh, 
you know, it's like comparing like a TV show in the '90s to like a TV yeah. show now. They're like a completely different beast, yeah. and like, yeah, people read them differently, they consume it differently, and so I think for like for the era, this was excellent. What yeah. is to note? Uh, Capullo did issues 15 through 25 with no break and no fill-ins. He did 11 straight issues, which nowadays no one can do. Yeah, uh, and he's well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Bagley, I think, is like the only yeah. guy that will that will uh, draw run that continuous anymore. And I mean, Capullo's doing again on Batman. Like he's on. I think he was saying like on Twitter he was drawing issue nine, and I don't think he's taking a break. Yeah, like, he's just like a workhorse, and it's also like just very consistent and very great. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Jeff, you're a Batman fan. I think you should yeah. uh, go out of your way to not digitally, but look at a physical copy of Batman number five yeah. that just came out a month or two ago. Uh, okay. Greg, by Greg here, uh, drawn by the same guy that did X Force, and I can still see little touches of. Oh yeah, like little, like his art has like progressed like crazy. It's so the good now. Yeah, ten, fifteen years since I last read X Force, and, and, and the still, way I can still see some of what it. he does to just fuck with page layout and. The the way that he uses art to show that Batman is slowly going crazy uh, throughout the issue is is really really interesting. That sounds cool. Yeah, um, that sounds cool. This was cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and uh, and for those of you that may not have, please check out the Jeff Rubin Jeff Rubin show. Uh, Jeff, it's uh, Jeff Rubin Jeff Rubin dot com, right? Yeah, you'll figure it out. They'll They'll figure it out. Google it twice. It's It's podcasting. Everyone's probably already listening to each other. It's out there. And Uh, uh, Twitter handles, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's do it. Anything else? Go ahead. Shoot uh, shoot Uh, it off. I'm at Jeff Rubin Show on Twitter. And it's also on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Jeff Rubin. Yeah, and and I'm at The Matt Little on Twitter and Facebook slash The Matt Little. I'm on Twitter at at Brett White, B-R-E-T-T. W-H-I-T-E, and you can also read my work sometimes at Comic Book Resources, uh, etc. So, yeah, thanks to Jeff for coming over and hanging out with us. My pleasure. Thanks for introducing me to the world of X-Force. Yeah. uh, There's a lot more issues. There's another hardcover (laughs) that picks up right where this story What are you guys doing next week? Uh, Our next episode. Oh, that's... uh, I'll I'll let you know. I'll let you know off air. All right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And until next time, this is Matt. And this is Brett. And, and we, we love comics. comics! That was natural. We just decided to do that. Was that planned? That was really... That was, that was no, that planned. just happened. That, that was, was awesome. Improv! improv. Yeah. Yeah.